What's up, everybody? It's Miles Turner, the Indiana Pacers. You're listening to the Pacers Podcast. Be sure to follow at Pacers on Twitter. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Pacers Podcast, the only Pacers podcast with a bias towards the Indiana Pacers. I think I got that right, Alex, without Adam here. Was that right, the intro? <laughs> I think you said Pacers instead of Australian podcast. <laughs> That's why we pay Adam the big bucks. But uh, Adam is off today. Um, so we've had to come in for an emergency podcast, me and Alex, and talk about a historic day with the Pacers franchise, Alex. The Indiana Pacers offer DeAndre Ayton a four-year, $133 million offer sheet, the largest in NBA history, only for the Phoenix to match it. What are your thoughts, Alex? <laughs> Firstly, yeah, that was kind of anti, uh, anticlimactic given the uh, the hype of the day. They matched it. Apparently, it was like within three minutes of them actually getting it. They matched it. So, um, but, but yeah, as you said, I mean, it was the largest offer sheet in history, which, you know, we talked about this before the show. We never thought we'd see the day the Pacers just tried to, you know, quote unquote, steal a player away, right? With Brogdon, it was a first round pick and you know, you said, oh, did we really have to do that? This, the Bucs weren't going to match. And now, like, you know, I, I think this is Herb Simon continuing to just let go, right? Like, let Kevin Pritchard, let Chad Buchanan in the front office do their thing because, you know, we, we are finally in a rebuild, which we never thought we would do. And now we're sending out the biggest offer sheet in history. So regardless, like I said, regardless of not getting Aiton, I think this is an important day for the, the franchise. And I think this is a win, man. But, but what about you? Yeah, I agree with everything you said. I since the eight rumors started, I, I was on the fence about it. I didn't. I wasn't huge on getting DeAndre Ayton because I knew if we did, it would be a max offer. Um, but after time went on, I you know did did a bit more research and thought about it, and I was huge on it. If the Pacers didn't have to do a sign and trade, if we didn't have to lose Miles Turner and that Boston draft pick and the Phoenix draft pick, oh sorry, the Cleveland draft pick then I was all for it. But if we were having to give up all these assets just for us to get Aiden, I was probably against it. So I'm glad kind of, well, I guess reading between the tea leaves here that the Pacers didn't do a deal and they said, no, nah, we're going to do this free agent signing offer sheet, which they're historically never done, which you know, Alex. I, I saw something on Twitter. The last time the Pacers have done this was for Chris Copeland from the, <laughs> from the New York Knicks and the Knicks had no chance of signing him. So it is a historic day for the Pacers, and I, I feel like it's a brush of fresh air, fresh air. Herb Simon has given the reins to maybe Pritchard and, and Rick Carlisle, like you said. I truly do believe that. Um, I, I was. There's so many ways we can go from here. Like we, when you saw the notification, Alex, that Aiton signed with the Pacers, how confident were you that Suns were going to match it, or did you think there was a chance we were going to keep him? Well, because there was that window, right, until midnight that their sign-and-trade could get done because Aiden hadn't signed it yet. So I was like, oh, you know, maybe they're just trying to work out a sign-and-trade. And then once it was announced that, you know, it was the offer sheet, I, I figured that they were going to match it. I didn't think it was going to be as quick as it was. Like, it was in the click of your fingers, one minute you're excited, the next you're like, oh, okay. <laughs> but, um, but, yeah, look, at the end of the day, I think, for me at least, the biggest winner is probably Jalen Smith. I mean... I think that would have been an interesting combo in the front court. And maybe I, maybe I was overthinking it, but I was always at the mind like, oh, would, are we going to have another Tabonis situation here with Smith and Aiden if Smith balls out? Like, I don't want to go through that. So, look, I, I still think the, the pace is a super exciting young team. And, you know, we've kind of seen some of that at some league. But 
one guy that, that had to get waived was Dwayne Washington, right? And, you know, we were talking about him the other day. He's been real bad in summer league, which, you know, we don't want to put too much stake in, obviously. But given the fact that now you have Neesmith, you know, you have McConnell still there, Matherin, Duarte, like this guard rotation is stacked. So I, I think this was kind of the writing on the wall when he didn't get guaranteed. But, I mean, what about you? Do you think Dwayne comes back or do you think – I mean, I th- he's an NBA player, right? Like he deserves to be in the NBA, but I just don't think it's with the paces. I did just listen to Tony East on Locked On Paces. He just put out a podcast earlier and he said there is a chance Paces get him back after what just yeah. went down. Um, there is a chance they re-sign him, maybe give him a bit of extra money for playing him around this summer. But, um, mm. yeah, he he's – down right. Let's not, you know, shadow away. He he's looked awful in the summer league, absolutely awful. And as you know, if you're a shooter, you know, a few rough games. Unfortunately, when your main thing is three point shooting, when you're not hitting him, you're just going to look awful because he's not a two way player. Um, will I miss him? Yeah, from what I hear, is great team chemistry wise. I don't love him as a player. I feel like he's a decent, maybe third string player to come in or step up when someone's injured. Um, I'm not too concerned, but. It is unfortunate for him personally. I know, you know, it would be so hard to be in his position. Um, there were rumours that Dwayne Washington didn't speak to the media after the last game against Detroit. Uh, Rick Carlisle was shown speaking to him in the kind of in the hallway in Vegas. So it is very interesting on, on, that, on that kind of path. But what I was interested in, Alex, as well, just going back to Aiton again, is we've, we've kind of heard... In the past, Herb Simon saying, no, we can we can get max superstars here, although I don't consider Aitna a superstar. But um, you know, we will offer when the when the time's right, we will offer a max contract to that player. And they showed today they are willing to do that. And what does it mean to have actually DeAndre Aiden? Woj said this, so it is fact that he actually loved the idea of playing with Tyrese Halliburton. That was a main decision in his, mm-hmm. I guess, decision signing the contract. That wouldn't have happened with Malcolm Brogdon, would it? No, which is another funny thing, <clears throat> kind of off topic, but I've seen the it floating around on Twitter, so I've got to address it. We did not trade Malcolm Brogdon to, to sign DeAndre. And like that, the fact that that's a narrative I've seen is ludicrous. But going back to Aiden, I mean, you know, Rick Carlisle kind of dropped that nugget on the uh, on the broadcast two days ago, didn't he? He was he was saying that Halliburton now free agents want to come to play for the Pacers. I mean, Jalen Smith took less money on less years to re-sign. Now you've got a guy of DeAndre, number one pick, 17 and 10. Like, he wants to come play with Halliburton, right? I mean, that is a luxury the Pacers have maybe not had since probably Paul George. I mean, like having that guy who's going to average 10 assists a game, I mean, yeah, it's incredible. And, I mean, look, I don't think the Pacers (laughs) – no one, no one's going to come like Kevin Durant or LeBron. Like, that's still not going to be a thing the Pacers get, right? But now it's those second-tier star free agents that you can look at if you're the Pacers. So, yeah, like you said, I think it's a big step forward. But, you know, you kind of touched on it there when Rick Carlisle was talking to Washington. What about Miles Turner, right? Like, we, mm-hmm. we've got to talk about him in this situation because <laughs> this is what the uh, – I mean, we joke about it, but this is literally the fifth or sixth offseason in his career that, that he's been that close to getting traded. <laughs> So I think there's only so much one man can take. Yeah, it's it's hard. I feel incredibly bad, I guess, for Miles. We don't know the conversations Kevin Pritchard has had with Miles. Obviously, Miles and DeAndre Ayton share the same agent, so he would have been looped in. Um, 
But yeah, there is somewhat, I think all Pacer fans feel it where, geez, this guy's been on the trading block so much. He's stayed loyal towards the Pacers. Um, but, you know, every player knows the NBA is a business. If Pacers could get a former number one draft pick in DeAndre Ayton and then trade Miles later on, I'm sure Miles would have that business side. Yeah, the team has to do it. They just have to. The, the pairing of Halliburton and Ayton would have been better than you'd think Halliburton and Turner would be if we ever get to see it. I personally think Miles is gone. Well, I mean, I don't know if he'll play another game for the Pacers. If he does, he will be traded before the trade deadline. I heard Scott Agnes say Miles wants to stay in Indiana. He doesn't really care about the big market. He just wants to get paid and be in a good situation. But I just feel after today and just everything that's gone on previously with Domas and just everything, I feel like Miles might need a fresh start somewhere else. That might be best for him and best for the team. I love loyalty. Like, I love it. Reggie Miller, my favourite player of all time, 18 years with the Pacers. You don't see it this day and age. I don't like when people throw flack at Damian Lillard because he's staying loyal to a franchise and no team does it. Giannis, like Steph Curry, love those type of players. And it's always just, I know Miles isn't on their level, not even close, but I do love seeing a player you draft stay with the team. But yeah, Alex, what do you think? Do you think Miles will request a trade? Do you think he'll come out and say, nah, I'm done? No, I don't think Miles would ever do that. I mean, if he was going to request a trade, he probably would have done it a year or two ago. But, um, I mean, it's just tough because he's on an expiring, right? So if you do keep him, then you risk potentially losing him for nothing in free agency, which, you know, you can't really afford to do if you're the Pacers. But at the same time, maybe you do want to see what you have in him and Tyrese because he's never played with a point guard of that caliber. So, you know, I think you're right. It probably happens at the deadline. That's kind of what I'm leaning to. Yeah. Um, I also think at the deadline, teams get desperate, right? Like, they might think, oh, we're one defensive anchor away or, yeah. you know, if we get this guy in, maybe we have to overpay, but he's going to help us in the playoffs. So, I mean, look, Thaddeus Young got a first-round pick at the deadline this past season. So, I mean, if you're the Pacers, I think you hold on to him for now, see what you have. If he wants to re-sign or extend, then fine. But if it's not going well, then you, you look for a, a team like the Raptors or the Hornets who might still want him. Like, there's still teams out there who I think need Miles Turner. Yeah, I'm, I think you're always higher on your own players from your own team. You think if you're going to trade him, you probably deserve more in return. But from all reports, the the package we're going to get from Miles if we end up trading him is going to be so low. Apparently, his market value is so low. I understand he hasn't finished the last two seasons. He's been injured, but he's the best shot blocker in the, in the world, I guess, as Rick Carlisle mentioned on the broadcast against Detroit. And I don't think I'd be trading Miles for any any less than a first rounder and a filler. Like, yeah, it's got to be similar to the Brogdon deal, doesn't it? I mean, a young I, guy maybe, and the first. I think better. Like, I mean, yeah, well, yeah, that's true because the Celtics are going to be so good that it's probably in the late twenties. But I yeah, mean, I, I'm I'm really interested to see it. I I just think I mean, what would have accelerated our rebuild so much if Suns didn't match today? We kept Aiden and then traded Turner for a first round pick and a filler, then I think, well, that's a, that's a, that's not a home run for the Pacers. That is a grand slam, but yeah. it hasn't happened. So there's still plenty of options. Where do you think they go from here, Alex? They've got $31 million of cap space in a few days. Once all the, you know, all the provisions are set over the next few days and Aiton's officially a son. Where do you think they go from here? 
Oh man, it's tough. I've seen, I keep seeing the Westbrook stuff floated around and nah, it hurts me so much. Nah, it will not happen. <laughs> oh God, there's some Pacers fans who really want it to get done. But look, I, I do think you'll be something on that line, right? Like take on some bad contracts, absorb some contracts from contending teams and, and get first round picks in return. I mean, if you go to Tankathon right now, I think that they rank the Pacers like draft picks from the 2023 draft as like the number one, like we have the best set of draft picks. Yeah. Um, which if you can keep adding to that, geez, I mean, you you have to take on maybe someone like a Fournier or, you know, take on some bad contracts in these three team blockbuster trades. I think that's the way the paces will go. Um, I've also seen some people floating Sexton around, which like, no, yeah. the paces have 75 guards. We're not going to assign Sexton. Um yeah, I don't know. You can talk on the, the Westbrook stuff, I guess, but I think it will just be a bad contract for picks. Well, yeah, correct me if I'm wrong. I, I think Herb Simon's already been asked about this and he said he will not do this. He won't bring in a former MVP to the team only to, like, cut and wave him. I I just don't think it's a savvy move from them. Well, it is a savvy move, I guess. That's not the right word, but I don't, I don't think... The, the problem is, though, you have to agree to it. Like, people have said he will do a John Wall. Like, Westbrook is not sitting... For 82 games, I'm sorry. Like him and I don't see Westbrook in, you know, the last years of his prime saying, no, I'm not going to play basketball. Like, I just, why would he do that? He just opted into the Lakers deal. Like that doesn't make sense to me. Yeah, I I totally agree. I I can't see, I'd be absolutely shocked if this Westbrook deal went down. You know, there was rooms Rob Polenka rang him and said, you know, Westbrook for what Brogdon and, Turner or whatever it was, or Buddy, and we just laughed and hung up. Like, it's not happening. If it does, people can light me up on Twitter. I can't see it happening. The way I see the Pacers' future going is, and part of the reason I felt this took so long because Pacers have so much flexibility and Kevin Pritchard's called up optionality, is I think we're waiting on that Kevin Durant, Donovan Mitchell chess piece to fall. We can be that third or fourth team with the cat space to take on some bad contracts. I feel like... That's what the Pacers ownership will be or front office will be doing now. Okay, Aiton, we struck out. Push that aside. What's our next option? Let's contact teams, see where KD, because Phoenix are out of the KD stakes. They ain't getting KD. So um, I think there'll be a lot of teams that will call the Pacers and the Spurs and say, hey, like we want to offload these contracts on you. And to be honest, I, I said from the start, I was on the fence about the Aiton move because I like this path we're still going down without Aiton. I feel like you mentioned Tankathon's got us with like the number one power rankings for the draft picks. If we have a 15 to 20% chance at the number one pick next year, which is that Victor <laughs> Wimbanyama guy, um, yeah. I'll take those odds. Like if we can just build um, Tyrese and Matheron and Jackson and Smith and have a chance at the number one pick next year, I know we probably won't get it, but um I'm okay with that. I'm not devastated we missed out on Aiden today. The action never ends at DraftKings Sportsbook, especially this summer. With tons of ways to bet on all your favorite sports, you can fuel your fandom and feel the heat of the season like never before. Plus, right now, DraftKings Sportsbook is giving new customers a risk-free bet up to $1,000. That's right. Make your first bet up to $1,000, and if it doesn't win, you'll get another shot to cash in. 
You can throw down on all the major action for baseball, golf, MMA, and more. Plus, with same-game parlays, spreads, money lines, over-unders, and props, your betting options feel endless. You can even bet on the Summer League in the NBA. Best of all, DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable. You can deposit and withdraw your cash whenever you want. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code TBPN. Make your first deposit and get a risk-free bet up to $1,000. That's promo code TBPN only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. Yeah, and that, that was, to me, was always the thought process is, all right, if we try Peyton, great. If we don't get him, I'm not going to lose sleep over it, right? Like, I mean, if we had have given up two first-round picks, and Miles Turner for a restricted free agent. I think I would have been pretty disappointed in that. So at the end of the day, like, I agree. Like, we're in agreement. You know, I remember we talked a couple, well, what, like a few weeks ago, and we were kind of like all negative on the eight and stuff, which which did switch, like you said at the start. But, yeah, at the end of the day, I think it was the right move. Uh, I do want to segue into the summer league a little bit because we've yep. got to talk about the rookie, the sixth overall <laughs> pick. I know you're hyped on him. I'm hyped on him. Ben Matherin. He's been better than advertised. I would say like last game against the Pistons, he was phenomenal. Yeah. I, I think for a summer league, I know he's sat down, he's sitting down the, the next game, but I couldn't be more impressed. I've watched lots and lots of years of pace of rookies and you see the first few games and I'm seeing like, you know, Tyler Hansborough, TJ Leaf and <laughs> all these other guys. And you're just like, Oh God, like this doesn't look good. And you tell yourself, Oh, it's just summer league. Don't care. But Matherin, Probably looks like one of the best rookies I've seen. He's only playing like 20, 25 minutes a game. He's put up like, you know, yeah. what ninth most points. And third, man, he's third in rookie scoring and like 47th in minutes or something. There you go. And they haven't ran much through him, to be honest. Like they could have looked for him more. I feel yeah. like some of the shots he, he's a, you know, Rick Carlisle said he's an NBA scorer already. And you can feel that. I, I personally feel like he's a poor man's Dwayne Wade. Um, and I know that's a big call, but. I feel like he could be great in this league. I like his confidence. I like his swagger. We need someone like that. We haven't had anyone like that since Oladipo. And I, I think it's a great pick. You know, I'm still a bit butthurt. We missed out on Ivy, but um, Matherin's healing my wounds. <laughs> Not a bad consolation prize in the grand scheme of things. I will also say, though, that, um, you know, I've got to touch on my boy, Kendall Brown. I thought he's looked very good, like, to me, he is a rotational player this year. Um, it, it's interesting, though. I don't know. How do you feel about Nemhard? He, he has some times where he looks really solid. Then he will have, like, a few turnovers in a row. And I'm like, ah, uh, I, I think he's got the Malcolm Brogdon comp a lot. But, I mean, uh, look, he'll probably be backing up TJ. So, but but what about, our, uh, you know, what about the other rookies? What have you seen? Yeah, Kendall Brown shows flashes of athleticism. I know you really wanted him in the draft, so that made me feel a bit more okay when we got him saying oh you've done your deep dive and you like him really athletic which obviously the paces are trying to get more in the future he could you know pair up well with isaiah jackson um yeah nemhart not sold on him yet don't don't dislike him i've yeah third string like unless tj mcconnell or halliburton got injured i don't expect him to get much game time to be honest with you um but also, I mean, game one, we're going to talk about it. Duarte looked really good. Um, let's hope mm -hmm. he's injury-free. And something I want to know and something I don't think many Pacer fans may agree on is who do you think will start, Duarte or Buddy Hield? It's a tough one. I feel like everyone's just of the mindset, all right, we got to start all the young guys, yeah. Halliburton, Duarte, Mather, and get them all out there, which 
I would be more than happy with, but I'm with you. I think, well, I don't know if you agree with this, but I think it will be Buddy because Buddy Heald is Rick Carlisle's guy, number one. Number two is that this is a guy that did not like coming off the bench in Sacramento. Like, he hated it. So I just think it will be Buddy at the start with Matherin, which I'm, which I'm more than happy with, obviously. And then Duarte, who kind of played a lot of six men at the end of this season, will be that guy coming off the bench. What do you reckon? Yeah, I, I do agree. I mean, you could make the case for either one of them to be sixth man scoring punch. I think they both do well in that role. But I feel like we've got so much youth on the floor. Having a bit more of a veteran in that starting lineup will help. Halliburton obviously plays really well with Buddy Hield. He loves him. So um, you got that two-man combo there as well. Obviously, there's massive rumors Buddy Hield and Miles won't be on the team before, I guess, preseason starts. But if the starting lineup is what the roster depth chart is today, I do think uh, Duarte will come off the bench. But very exciting day. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm still shook that we've offered that <laughs> to to, to Aiton. I just can't believe it. Obviously, I would have loved to know the insight of Aiton actually. Did he really want to go to Indiana and Phoenix not match? Or was it just a, do you think it was maybe a play of chess by Aiton and his agents go, ah, oh, Phoenix will match? I think it was just a massive game of chicken, to be honest. Like, yeah. Aiton's agents, the son, like they could have signed him to the rookie extension max last year. They didn't want to do it. And then Aiton wanted five years. He ends up with four, but he still gets his money. So, I don't know. Uh, it's tough because the Pacers probably could have ended up putting some options in there. Like, it was just a straight max, right? Like, with no options, no incentives. So, I feel like we maybe could have strong-handed the the Suns a little more than we did but even then I mean yeah like we said at the start of this show I don't think any Pacers fan thought that we were just going to send like a straight offer sheet like we all thought it was going to be sign and trade yep get it done but look I know there were people who were really disappointed we didn't get Aiden I still think this Pacers team is super exciting we have one of the better young cores in the league and we have good draft picks next year so look Yes, I think Aiton and Halliburton would have been amazing, but we still got a lot to look forward to with this Pacers team. A hundred percent. And I'll touch on it again, the optionality we now have. And we've got that cap space. And I did hear Scott Agnes. I want your um, opinion on it, Alex. And I know it's a foregone conclusion. We won't get him now. But earlier on in free agency, before the news uh, came through, Pacers were actually very interested in Miles Bridges. Um Obviously not since everything's happened with him personally, but they were making contact and actually asking players what they thought about Miles Bridges. I mean, that doesn't really surprise me. I guess like we in the Pistons were always linked to Aiton and Miles, right? So obviously, yeah, like you said, that is not going to happen now. But um, yeah, uh, I would rather pay Aiton the max than Bridges, to be honest. Uh, if you had to ask me like three weeks ago, but the fact that we're like targeting these young max caliber guys, like that shows you the direction the Pacers are going in, right? A hundred percent. And I feel like a Pacers, Pacers Twitter definitely seems re-energized. Mm -hmm. I feel like the way we were all talking last season when you had to sit through the Brogdon, Sabonis, Turner, the you know, TJ Warren on the sidelines, that team, whereas the way we're talking now, it's funny how it's shifted and we're probably at war. We are a worse team on paper. We're a worse team wins loss record, but we're all so happy that finally there's a future because that team was doing nothing. And I will say the one reservation I had about the paces getting eight and work was 
have we just gone back to that play-in tournament, 8th to 10th, 12th seed, which I really don't want to be in. I don't care if I've sit through losses. If we were just going to hover around that 10th mark and compete for a playing spot, maybe make the playoffs. Maybe they would have with Halliburton and Aiton if they broke out together and get swept by Boston or Milwaukee. What what are we doing again? We're just we're doing the same thing. So that was my one reservation. And when I heard Phoenix signed him, I was a bit like, you know what? That's cool. We can then replan. We actually freed up more cap space. Um, we can go hard next season. The restricted free or the free agents next season aren't that good. But yeah, I'm I'm just all in. I think we need to be bad for another year. Do you agree? Yeah, yeah. I'm, I was always with that mindset. Like. Uh, well, maybe it's just because I'm so high on next year's draft class. Like, even below Victor, it is going to be stacked. So, maybe that was my thinking. But, I mean, we've also just never tanked. So, none of us are really used to this. I know fans hate losing. I get it. But at least now, as you kind of said before, when you're losing by 10, at least you know that it's building towards something. Whereas when we were getting blown out by the third-string Miami Heat team last season – what were we building towards, like the play-in tournament? So now you have a clear direction, which is what we always wanted. And, you know, like the free agency class might not be that good. We might not get any, but now you have the assets to make trades. So maybe you become a trade partner for a star that wants out in a year's time. I think that's also important to, to think about. For sure. And I think another positive to draw from this whole Aiton situation is, you know, you got players like Paul George and, always saying, oh, you know, pays his own and don't spend money. And Malcolm Brogdon even alluded to it on the Woj pod the other day. You know, he did mention about small markets and the owners being cheap in a sense. I feel like he was indirectly talking about Indiana. You've you've now shown Halliburton, hey, we're willing to spend. We are willing to offer a max contract to, to build this team around you. I feel like it's a great thing for the team to... But definitely for Halliburton, who's new to this Indiana franchise, to go, hey, they, they are actually willing to spend. This is not a cheap franchise. And I feel like that's just going to build so much more, so much better for the future. Well, it's about helping change the narrative, right? Like, again, we, we have been seen as that franchise who won't pay more than like 20 mil for a player or, you know, won't be willing to give up this or that. So now all of a sudden, I mean, Halliburton's come from a losing team, right? I feel bad for him in a sense that he's probably going to be on another really bad team three straight years. But I think now he knows that, you know, this franchise is doing everything it can to build around him and put a team around him that suits his game style, right? Like that's why we're getting these athletic guys. That's why we're going after these shooters so he can play with them. And I mean, we also have to think about Halliburton's extension, right? Like I don't know if it's in a year's time or, or two years time, but with the cap going up, He's going to get a five-year max, so you got to worry about paying him soon. Yeah, it could have restricted us in the long term getting Aiton. Um, I will say we've just got so many assets to use now. Like, what well, we've got, we'll have our own maybe top five draft pick. We got Cleveland's hopefully potential first. We got Boston's late first round, and then we'll probably have an early second round pick as well. Tie that in with the cap space we've got. Pacers haven't had this flexibility in so long. Alex, give me your final prediction what the Pacers do from here. Where, what do you think the starting lineup will look like? What do you think the moves they'll make in the next few weeks? Because they're, they're not done. They can't be done. So do you have any predictions in the next week or so what they do? I don't want to give such a boring answer here. I feel like, uh, <laughs> all right, I'll, I'll say this. I'll, I'll go out on a limb and say the Pacers do trade Miles. 
before the season starts. Uh, probably just for a, a pick and a fill, like we kind of touched on earlier. I think and Star Jackson. Stays. I saw someone say today that the Pacers are just going to start Smith at the five and O'Shea at the four, which shit, like sign me up for that, I think. But um, yeah, Smith and Isaiah Jackson could work as well. Um, I think Buddy stays, like I said. I think McConnell stays. Dwayne probably comes back, as Tony Ease kind of said. And that, I think that's it. I don't think we take on Westbrook. I don't think we make any big moves until like the trade deadline. What about you? Ooh. You are missing one prediction about a Pacers legend, which the fans will want to hear. <laughs> Is he coming back? True. Oh, geez. You're going to kill me, mate. You're going to kill me. I don't think he does come back. <laughs> oh, no. No. He does? Oh, it's a tough spot. I think he does. I Honestly, okay. I don't care about depth chart. You know, I know people have said, oh, he could be our Udonis Haslam. James Boyd was against it, which I understand what he's saying at, at you know, Lance can still bowl. I get that. But Lance is still training with the team. Lance is still, you know, I feel like Kevin Pritchard knows how much the fans love him. And, yeah, I, I just feel like they'll they'll do a way. They'll find a way to keep him. Um, what, he was good. I, he was good this past season. Like, make credit him credit the bench. You, yeah. you bring him. I think it'd be great for the young guys as well. Like, you need that sort of leadership. Lance has shown he's grown into a leader. Um and I, I just feel like the way, just looking at social media, Miles has kind of been disconnected from this team for quite some time. Totally get it. It's the offseason, go on holidays, do your stuff, do all that. I 100% get it. But you see the core of the pace is kind of gelling together. Halliburton, Isaiah Jackson, TJ McConnell's in there, Lance is in there. You see this young core growing. Halliburton got asked the other day, who's the leader of the paces? And he says, I am. So I think you kind of see where Miles is. He's not that locker room leader anymore. I feel like he has played his last game as the pacer, which is sad, but um, because I feel like he's wanted Domas gone for so long to see how he can be. And then once he's gone, he got injured. And then this year he might not get his chance. But my prediction is we keep Lance, Miles is traded, and, yeah, we get an asset and a filler. We don't do the Westbrook deal. And you got Jackson starting as well? Ah, yeah, it's a tough one. I don't think he's ready to be a starter. Um, yeah. I think he's ready for 20 minutes a night off the bench. You know, what happened with Daniel Tice? I don't even know. That center spot's really weak. Oh, I forgot he was even on the paces, mate. Jeez. <laughs> yeah, it, it's a tough one. But can you see Miles coming back after all this and, you know, his contract's up at the end of the year. Like, we're not going to lose Miles for nothing. I don't think we'll let it get to that. No, no shot. No. Awesome. Well, yeah, thanks for listening, everyone. Pace Through's podcast. Um, we'll try and get to you a bit more often. Obviously, we, we were waiting to record this because we didn't want to record when Brogdon trade happened because we were anticipating this eight move. So we, we wanted to jam-pack everything in one episode, but we're sure to come to you with more uh, in the coming days and weeks. 